You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Good to see all of you here today. As always, I'm thankful to be in Durant, Oklahoma, at the river. We've been discussing the last few weeks the laws of the new covenant. The laws of the new covenant, and the new covenant does have laws. They are not laws like the natural laws, and they're not laws like uh, the law of Moses. They're laws that have always been in place since time immemorial in God. And if you look through the Old Testament, you see them all. But they didn't didn't trust in these laws, and so they had to have another law. They had to have the law of Moses to keep them in line. These are laws of the heart. These that we're discussing here, these five. The law of faith the law of the Spirit, the law of righteousness, the law of the tithe, and the law of Christ, or the Anointed One. Today we're going to be talking about the law of righteousness. If you have a Bible handy, I'll ask you to take it and turn with me. As soon as I get there myself. Turn with me to uh, the book of Romans, chapter 9. Romans, chapter 9. Talking about the law of righteousness. A law is something that that does not dictate, but it sets a standard. Laws are not things that are forced on you. Laws are standards by which you willingly comply. I want to ask you this real solemnly, <laughs> half jokingly. How many of you really stop at every stop sign? Really stop. One, two, three, three people out, four people out of this big crowd. I don't. I think I do. And I realized that that was one of those little rolling things. You know, you feel the car, and then as soon as it just almost stops, you let off the brake and go on. That sign doesn't say nearly stop. That sign doesn't say get close to stopping. Do your best at stopping. That sign says, stop. If you don't stop, you've broken the law. But there's nobody there to enforce it. Well, there might be. He might show up. But there's no, there's no forcible thing. It's a, it's a sign that we expect that people will willingly comply with, but men rarely do. Men rarely do. Men, women, and children rarely do. We had rules in our house when I was a kid growing up, and I hated every single one of them. <laughs> Not because any of them were displeasurable to me, but because I was a kid born after Adam, and rules just make you be rebellious. <laughs> rules just make you be rebellious. They just do. You're already rebellious, but it just makes it come out. 
And that's what the Bible really teaches. Paul has this in his, in his theology strongly. When the, law, when the law came, sin revived, and I died. Well, that's why the new covenant had to come along. That's why Jesus had to come and do what he did. To save us from that endless cycle of law being given and law being broken and the result being sin and death. Just an endless cycle of, human, of the human existence. The law of righteousness takes us someplace. And I'm going to start with Romans chapter 9 and verse 31. The law of righteousness takes us someplace beyond that and above that. Verse 31 of Romans 9 says, But Israel, which followed, followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, the greater law, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him, this Jesus is the, is the rock of offense to the Jew, and whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. But he talk, talked about this law of righteousness. This law of righteousness. Now, what happens in Christianity is the, these words get mixed up in our minds because righteousness means right living and walking straight. The actual Greek words, doesn't matter what the Greek word is, diakosuno, uh, sune, I think is the word. It, it, uh, it uh, means to walk a straight line. We get the idea that it's how you perform. And we mingle and tra cross-translate the words holiness and righteousness as though they are synonyms. And they sort of are, but they have two different sources. Righteousness, walking the straight line, comes as a gift from God. Holiness is your fruit that you grow to give as a gift to God. Righteousness is the grace of God. Holiness is your faith in action. They look alike. But we misappropriate righteousness if you think that it's about how you perform. You missed Paul's whole message. I heard about an old woman that went, went, went on her first airplane ride. And she was real scared. And the, the, the plane got up in the air and her ears started popping. and She didn't know what was going on. She was terrified. Finally, the flight attendant came over there and said, Ma'am, 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 settle down. She said, well, What's all this? I, I've never been on a plane before and I, I'm scared. It feels like I, uh, my ears are popping. She said, All you need is a piece of gum. Okay. So they gave her gum. They landed the plane safely. She walks up there. She said, You know, that worked real well. That gum was just the thing. Thank you very much. It made my flight much more pleasurable. I just don't know how I'm going to get it out of my ears now. <laughs> Righteousness and holiness get misunderstood and misappropriated. And, and while it may help you walk straight, it doesn't mean you're walking with God. Just because you walk straight does not mean you're walking with God. Just because you stop at the stop sign does not make you automatically a citizen of the United States. Uh, 
So I want to talk to you a little bit more about this. First thing you need to know about righteousness, the law of righteousness, is that righteousness comes one way by faith. Righteousness does not come a myriad of ways. It doesn't even come two ways. It comes one way, by faith. This is not deep theology. This is the, the first steps of, of knowing God. How you get your righteousness. You get it one way, by faith. And you keep it the same way you got it in the first place, by what you believe in your heart. We learn this from the life of Abraham, as Paul tells us deeply in several different places in his writings, Romans 4 being a major one. Abraham received righteousness by faith. Now listen, we know this is true, and, and Abraham's life teaches us that it doesn't come other ways. Because in chapter 12 of Genesis, the Bible says God spoke to Abraham and told him to get up and get out of his country. And the Bible says clearly, Abraham obeyed and did what God had told him. He heard the voice of God and obeyed the voice of God and did what the Lord told him to do. He was obedient. But he was not righteous. He was stopping at the stop sign. But he wasn't an American. He did the right thing. But he was not righteous. He was walking a straight line. But he wasn't made righteous. Are you hearing me? Living right is not how you get righteousness. Living right is how you get self-righteousness. <laughs> Chapter 13 of Abraham's life. He goes down into Egypt because he knows it's not God's will for him to starve. There was a great dearth in the land, and it said he, he got up and got out of there. Listen, don't, don't ever believe that God wants you to be broke. That's a curse of the devil. Amen. God wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So Abraham knew that, knew that God was on his side financially, so he got up and got out of there, even out of the promised land to go down into Egypt so he could have some better living. And the Bible describes him when he comes out of Egypt in chapter 13. That he was very rich in silver and gold and cattle. Now, I'm not all that concerned about how God makes me rich. I've got something to do with silver and gold and cattle. <laughs> if Greg will let me put them on his place, I'll have the cattle. Praise <laughs> God. That's what the Bible teaches. He was blessed of the Lord. He was, even, he was even a very humble man because you remember in that same chapter, he and Lot had so much wealth, so many cattle that they could not stand the land together. And Abraham stood with Lot looking over the cliff, looking down on the land of, of Israel from the south. And he says to uh, his nephew Lot, Lot, the land's too small, this land is too small, too small for us to stay together. We've got to separate said, now, if you go to the right hand, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You, you pick first. Now, that's humility. He was humble. He was blessed. He was made wealthy. But he was not, was not righteous. He had been obedient. He wasn't righteous. Now he's blessed and he's not righteous. And he's even humble and he's not righteous. Hmm. Chapter 14. He goes out and wins a, wins a big war. Fights off five kings. He's victorious in war and he's not, not righteous. Wow. 
The Bible says he takes up the spoils of war and comes back and meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And Melchizedek blesses Abram of the Most High God and says, Blessed be the Most High God of Abram. Blessed be the Abram of the Most High God. And Abraham said, I'm going to tithe to him. Get boys, give him 10% of everything we've got. Now that's a Christian thing. We're going to talk about the law of tithe next. Next time you come. I probably shouldn't have told that. <laughs> it's a new covenant, tithe, a new, covenant, new covenant law. Here's Abraham tithing, and he's not righteous. Given 10% of what he has, and he's not righteous. Because tithing doesn't make you righteous. Being righteous makes you tithe. <laughs> Chapter 13, he's blessed and humble. Chapter 14, he tithes. And chapter 15 comes along. And the Bible says, Abraham believed in the Lord. Put up chapter 15 and verse 6, would you? Genesis 15, 6. After all he had done, leaving his homeland, fighting wars, getting rich, being a good guy, humble guy. It says, and he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to Abram for righteousness. That's what I'm saying here. These are not laws of performance. These are laws of the heart. God is more concerned about what's going on in your heart than he is anything else you are about. He's more concerned about what goes on in your heart than he is anything else about you. Oh, I've got to quit these cigarettes. I just feel so condemned. Well, stop. You're just condemning yourself because God's not condemning you. Now, don't go out and start, getting, start, getting, start smoking. I, it's, <laughs> because I said that. It's not good for you. But get over the condemnation. You will never quit because you feel condemned. You will never quit because you feel condemned. That's why I don't, we don't preach that way here. I just keep telling you who you are. Keep trying to remind you who you are. And all that stuff will fall off you in time. You will walk away from everything that you hate if you get to loving God in the right way as a son or daughter of faith. Praise God. You'll walk away from everything that hinders you. Amen. But we want to add to it. We want to, we want to, we want to work. We want to be involved in this. I just can't believe it's that simple. I had a guy tell me that not many years ago. He said, Holler, you make it so simple. I said, I didn't make it simple. Right. Another guy came to him and said, you preach, a, you preach a grace, it's cheap grace. I said, it ain't cheap. It's free, you idiot. <laughs> it ain't cheap at all. Didn't mean to make it sound cheap. I just... We want to add, uh, there was a, one of the companies, one of the food companies put out a cake mix that said just add water. And they couldn't, they couldn't sell the thing. They couldn't sell it. It had miserable sales. They realized that people wanted to do more than that. They couldn't believe they could get a cake just by adding water. So they went back and repackaged the whole thing and, and put on the instructions, add water and an egg. 
and the sales went through the roof. <laughs> we got to put our stuff in it. That's why religion is like it is. That's why the church is so segmented into so many different brands, because everybody wants to put their egg in. The second thing you need to know about righteousness is that righteousness is not performance. It is a gift from God. Let's take our Bibles and turn to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Righteousness is not performance. It is a gift from God. Righteousness is not performance. It is a gift from God. Isaiah 54 and verse 9 says, And this, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. What would make God say something like that? What is this, the this there in that verse? It says, for this is as the waters. What is as the waters of Noah? What is it that's like the waters of Noah that would make God stop being angry forever? That's what that says. As surely as the waters, did anybody here believe that the waters of Noah are ever going to go over the earth again? Does anyone here believe that there's ever going to be another cataclysmic worldwide flood? The answer is emphatically no. Why? Because God said, but He proves it to us every time it rains. How many of you have seen a rainbow this year? I did. I saw several of them. There was a picture on the internet, two complete rainbows. I'm doubly not mad. Read the book of Revelation. Read the book of Revelation. That rainbow is in heaven around the shoulders of God. He took something from heaven and made it visible to us, saying, just like it is in heaven, it is now on earth. I'm no longer angry in heaven, so I'm no longer angry at man. Rainbows appear, proving God's wrath is done. But you hear most preachers preach. They, they keep warning people about how angry God is. God's going to get you for that, you lousy, lying sinner. You sorry, bum. Aren't you, don't you feel bad about how, how sinful you were and had to make Jesus, poor little Jesus, die like he did? Are you kidding me? I have news for you. Stop mourning over Jesus' death. You've heard me say this before. Stop mourning over his death. He's over it. He's been over it for a long time. He rose from the dead. The day he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, he got over his death. Glory to God. He got over it then. You need to get over it too. Stop whining and crying for poor little Jesus. He is not poor little Jesus. He's the God of glory. Hallelujah. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's strong today. Amen. He's strong and mighty. See, this is the Jesus you need to believe in, the one that can save you today. The one that has power to save. The one who did all that was necessary to bring you back to God. And have God get over his wrath at you. That's what that says. And that was in referring to the new covenant that was coming in Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Look down at verse 17 of chapter 54. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. Every tongue. So that means God's not going to be in this because He's not going to let you condemn Him. That means God's, God's tongue will never rise against you in judgment. 
or you can condemn him. It says every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you can condemn. So that means that God's tongue will never rise against you in judgment. I've already been judged. Had a guy tell me one time, about six, six or eight months ago. He said, Dr. Hall, aren't you afraid of God's judgment? I said, no, it's already passed. God judged me when he judged Jesus. And he judged Jesus guilty of my sin and then killed him. Why would I be concerned about my judgment when I believe with all my heart everything that I ever did wrong was over on him? You're hearing about real Christianity this morning. This is the real thing right here. It is all about Jesus and very little about you. Thank God. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Listen to this. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from how they perform. Is that what your Bible says? Their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. Their righteousness was not earned by how well they acted. Their righteousness comes from me. I just give it to them. Glory to God. If they'll believe it. According to a recent poll, 88% of religious folks, 88% of religion, and those who propagate their faiths, believe that if people, here's a, here's a quote, if people are generally good or do enough good things for others during their life, they will earn a place in heaven. 88% of Christianity believes this. You're in a small minority of 12% that knows it's a gift from God. 88% of Christians are miserable trying to make heaven. <laughs> trying to do enough good to balance out the bad they do. Don't look so religious. You had that thought yourself. If I can just do enough good to balance out my bad, maybe when I get there, I'll get in. By the way, Peter is not at the gate. I'm sorry to inform you. If anybody's at the gate, it's Abraham. He's not going to decide if you get in or not. He's not the judge. No, he's not. Jesus is the only judge, and he's already judged you righteous. For every one of you who believe it, you have to believe it. If you don't believe it, you're not connected. You, don't, you don't, have not received him. He came into his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to become the sons of God, even those who believe on his name. Am I making sense to you? The third thing is righteousness is a conviction of the Spirit. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, 7. I've got a few verses here and I'm going to be finished in just a few minutes. Am I doing good? I've got four people that agree with you. Verse, verse 7 of chapter 16. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, that is, Expedient for you, that means you will be better off. It is expedient for you, that means you will be better off that I go away. What? Be better off that I go away. Jesus said it clearly. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus said, you are better off Without him here. 
I didn't say it. Jesus said it. You are better off without Him here. Woo! You're better off with your elder brother seated on the throne of the universe. Ah! When he's here, he's a, he's a good friend. But when he's there, he's in charge of everything that pertains to you. And when he's there, he can send you his own spirit. The spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. That's why you're better off without Jesus here. Because he's not really not here. He's here in spirit. And his spirit is in you. And that's what makes you better off. I would rather have Jesus in me than beside me. Are you getting this? I didn't say I'd be better off without him. I didn't think I would. But he said I would. More expedient for you that I go away because I'm going to send you my spirit, the comforter. Now, let's see what he says the comforter is going to do. We said this for a reason. Verse 8, And when he has come, he will reprove or convince. Reprove means to convince or to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So he's going to, he's going to convict, convince or convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He's going to convict the world of sin. Oh, the world is a sinful place. All the evils of the world. Sinner, 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 sinner. No, no, no. Listen to what, the, listen to what he says. Jesus gives his own definition of what sin is. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin. Verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me. Oh. What sin is the Holy Spirit convicting the world of? Unbelief. Unbelief. That's the only sin that he's concerned about. The reason he's, that's the sin, he's, he's not concerned about you eating the apple. He's concerned about that condition of your heart that made you eat the apple. And the condition of the heart was unbelief. Remember, there was a time Eve believed that the tree was poison. She said, if we eat of that tree, we will die. Are you hearing me? She looked at that tree and it looked like it was poison to her. That's what she said. But after she listened to the devil and got into unbelief, unbelieving what God said, she believed the devil... And then the Bible says, right three sentences later, says she looked at the tree to see that it was good for food. What happened to what she saw? What she believed. What she believed had changed. So she saw it differently. Are you hearing me? She's in unbelief now. And that was unbelief that made her eat the apple. We, we know it wasn't an apple. It was something, probably a pomegranate or something like that. So God's not so concerned about what makes you sin. God's not so concerned about the sins you commit, but what makes you sin. It's unbelief that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of. Look at verse 10. Of righteousness, because you've been so stinking nasty. No? That's not what it said, is it? Is that what your Bible says? Of righteousness, because you're such wicked people. No? A righteousness because America is so backslidden and going to hell. 
You didn't say that? No, it doesn't say that. That's what the preachers say, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says of righteousness because I go to my Father and you'll see me no more. Jesus is saying his definition of, of the Holy Spirit convicting us of righteousness is so that we will act like Jesus because he's not going to be here to act like a man should act. He doesn't convict you of your sin to get you to act right. He convicts you of your righteousness to get you to act right. My kids would leave the house. People ask me, how do you, how do you raise those kids like that? I said, well, I got them the right mama. <laughs> Beat the living daylights out of those little monkeys. <laughs> but every time they'd get ready to leave, they'd go to the door, go out, on, go out for the evening or something, be with their friends. They'd go to the door and open the door, and I'd say, hold it! Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're not like them. And, so, and some of, most of the time they were out with other Christian kids. I said, but you're not like them. You're somebody special. Remember who you are. Yes, Dad. There you go. I'm not sure they always acted like they were my kids. <laughs> I think sometimes they acted like they were her kids. But <laughs> but they, they, they went out there. And they tell me, they tell me now, it was that identity, Daddy, that kept us straight. That you made us know who we were, not threatening us. I said, yeah, you were afraid of, the, afraid of that board that I was going to lay on your butt when you got in. They said, well, yeah, but that, was, that wasn't the worst part. The worst part for me, Eric told me one day, he said, was when I came in and had to confess something or did something wrong, he said, the disappointment on your face broke my heart. The disappointment on your face just broke me. I said, you weren't afraid of my board? He said, well, a little bit, but not, not anything like afraid of breaking your heart and the disappointing you. you. You understand this? Of righteousness, of righteousness because you see me no more. Jesus is making you righteous to give you a way to demonstrate who he is to the world. He's not trying to get you to be righteous so you can please his standards. He wants, to, he wants the world to see his graciousness and his kindness and his gifting of righteousness and what he can do and has done for everybody if you'll just be obedient to live it. It's all it matters to. It's all it amounts to. You can be obedient to live this because he already deems you righteous. He's not barking at you to be righteous. He deems you righteous as a believer. He deems you righteous to, as a believer. That's good news to me. Let's move along. Verse 11. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So what that means is the devil's already been judged and doesn't have a chance against you. Well, the devil is out there. He's really, really active. and He's really doing this and doing that. Listen, you need to settle down. He is already a loser. You are triumphant in Christ because God has made you righteous. He already judged your enemy the same time he judged you. Amen. Now, having said all that, I want to give this to you. The gospel simply says, 
Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And He was buried. And He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. What that means is God made a promise that He would take everything that was bad toward you, and everything that bad that, everything bad that you ever did or ever happened to you, and He would lay it all on Jesus for your sake. And He would account Him as your sin and you as His righteousness. But it means this, you must believe the gospel. Believe the gospel from the heart and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe that He died for my sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the promise and the hope that every church should offer, and it's the best thing that we can offer you today. For those of you, especially those of you who are visiting with us, we like to think that all the people who are members of this church are saved, but they may not be. But especially those of you who are visiting with us, we, our invitation to you today is to come to Jesus. Come to Him finally. Forget your religious ideas and give your heart to the Lord. He will make you brand new. Are there any, any, anybody in the house who can witness to that that He'll make you brand new on the inside? He'll make you a new creature. And He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. Amen. Amen. I mean, He'll give you everything that's in the Bible. He'll heal you, make you prosperous, bless you in every way. Because He is a good God and He only does good. The law of righteousness is a law that's in place forever. It's a sign of saying, I'm finished with it. You can't earn the law of righteousness. You can't measure up to it. You can only receive it by grace through faith. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you today for this word that you have given us. And I'm asking now, Lord, for every person in the sound of my voice that you would bless them and heal them from past hurts about religion. I'm praying in Jesus' name that you would cause the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ to be upon them. I'm praying that you will help them to understand this message and to receive 